I don't like similarly situated people being treated differently. The the income cap to me is a very, very clear, wrongful thing to do. It should be if you have student loans, you get $10,000. If you want to have special circumstances for more money, then fine. But somebody who makes $125,000 a year or less individually, and let's just use that as kind of the example, you're penalizing the kid. Let's say a kid came from Santa Ana, California, a kind of an urban environment. Let's say he went to Harvard and got a partial scholarship, but partially paid. Let's say he took on some student debt for that. Let's say he went to Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business or whatever, whatever school you want to. He, he made something of himself. He got good grades. He worked his ass off. He interned while he was in college got out of college with great grades and great experience and now has a great job and he makes $150,000 a year. You're going to tell me that that kid who did all the right things isn't going to get any kind of debt relief? Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, Relax your mind and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. Go for it, Chief. This is the Higher Standard Podcast. I am your favorite host, Saeed, and that over there is... Oh, you're not going to do it for me? Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, okay, my bad. Oh, Sir Thick-A-Lot? I am the Jeff Goldblum of podcasting, and that guy is the guy with bad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> so normally we start the show off with a bunch of information, data about housing, stuff that really interests us, and all sorts of fuzzy, warm topics to soothe the soul. Right. This week, not so much. Not so much. Earlier today, it was announced that um, there was a student loan relief that was being released. Actually, it was yesterday. Okay. But either way, Biden is now attempting to fulfill his pre-election promises of student debt relief. While not in total forgiving all student debt, uh, he is forgiving $10,000 uh, in some cases and 20000 for those Pell Grant holders mm-hmm. uh, of their existing student loans. And this has caused a whole shit ton of controversy. A lot of controversy. So first of all, in order for... Uh, these loan holders to qualify, uh, you'd have to your income would have to be one hundred twenty five thousand dollars if you're single, two hundred fifty thousand if you're married. Which right? to me, already right out the gate, I'm calling bullshit because there's a number. I'll be I'll be honest right now, just in in the in the image of transparency, I want to make sure that everybody knows that I am not in favor of this. I do not feel like it's constitutional. I do not like this. I do not like anything about it. And I think that all the parameters that I've heard, including that one, right. are completely bullshit. Right, right. And so, I mean, we'll get into the legality of it all mm. in a second. 
But um, that, and also it should be noted, the amount that is forgiven doesn't will not have to be reported as taxable income. Where usually when loans like that are forgiven, you have to report it as taxable income. Yeah, it's, it's another version of a STEMI, which yep. is, again, the government printing more money. So maybe we start there. Maybe, maybe here's the problem. It is we have now printed more money yet again while the Fed is battling inflation. Right. And this is, this is in, inflationary. We know that. Right. Anytime you print money, it's going to add to inflation. And this is a very large print. Was it 300 something million dollars or billion dollars of money? Just just the fact that, well, you should take it back to when they paused all, all the debt payments. I think it was in March of 2020. That's when like this truly became inflationary. Right. Well, yeah. Well, that and it had a lot of trickle down effects. Like, so people were taking that money instead of saving and building up savings, they were just buying lifestyles they could not maintain, which they continue to do now as debt continues to rise on the non household debt side. Or better, you could during that time you could have made your entire payment and it would have all gone gone towards principal. And very few people do that. But now I don't know if you saw this this part of the bill as well. You can get a refund for the payments that you made during that time. I did not see that. that that's actually a part refund? of this. You can get you can get some money back oh, for payments you... that you made. Oh wow. Which is questionable. And so maybe I should start with this. I from a constitutional perspective, and there's a lot of attorneys out there who disagree with me, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't like similarly situated people being treated differently. Right. And in my mind, you're treating similarly situated people very differently right now. Absolutely. The, the income cap to me is a very, very clear, wrongful thing to do. It should be if you have student loans, mm-hmm. you get $10,000. If you want to have special circumstances for more money, then fine. But somebody who makes $125,000 a year or less individually, and let's just use that as kind of the example, you're penalizing the kid. Let's say a kid came from Santa Ana, California, a kind of an urban environment. And he made something of himself. Let's say he went to Harvard and got a partial scholarship, but partially paid. Let's say he took on some student debt for that. Let's say he went to Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business or whatever whatever school you want to. He he made something of himself. He got good grades. He worked his ass off. He interned while he was in college, got out of college with great grades and great experience, and now has a great job. Mm -hmm. And he makes $150,000 a year. You're going to tell me that that kid who did all the right things isn't going to get any kind of debt relief. Right. Simply because he's making 150 grand a year and to make matters even worse, $150,000 a year where you're likely to get salaries like that is in major metropolitan areas, New York, San Francisco, Southern California. Exactly. The cost of living in those areas is a lot higher than somebody making 150 grand in the Midwest, for example. I agree. I agree, but something something that I heard that I I can appreciate, and I'd love to get your take on this, mm. is let's not let perfect be the enemy of good. Okay, fine, right? Fine. I got so, a, I got a number because, of responses to that. Be, okay, so ninety five percent of the beneficiaries make under seventy five k. Okay, ninety five percent of the beneficiaries make under seventy five k. That's because the majority of people who still have student loans at this point are in school or just out of school. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's let's divide those two groups up. Yeah, there's a whole group of people, including myself, who got out of school and paid off their debt. Me too. I mean, I I, I still have debt that yeah. I'm paying. Yeah, wife and I both. Right. That's not fair. It's not fair. And th- what really sucks about all this is all the people out there that have you know preached this message of you need to go to you need to go to college to get a higher mm-hmm. education in order to make something of yourself to you know, provide a better lifestyle for your family and 
you know, knowledge is power. Well, I mean, that message being portrayed, has, colleges now are a business. Colleges have always been a business, just like religion. I know but, there's a lot of people who are going to get upset about that, but these have always been businesses. They've ran like businesses. They, they've built themselves like businesses. And frankly, they're some of the wealthiest enterprises in the world. Absol- absolutely. And it goes back to our tribal argument that we made. You know, they, yeah. humans, they, humans have to belong to something. Exactly. I belong right? to this school. I but, belong to this religion. But when, if you wanted to say like, you know, a lot of, a lot of the quote unquote boomers are complaining about this bill. Right, I've never really known how to use the the phrase "boomer" appropriately. Like, is there like feels, an age cutoff? It feels, it feels like a euphemism. No, I, I feel like I'm talking about myself sometimes, and I don't know if I'm supposed to. Like, what is the age cutoff for boomer? Like, when can I say that shit, and when can I not? I just think, to be clear. I, I, as of right now, I think it's around like mid fifties, late fifties. So, because I'm this in my early forties, like I am not a boomer. No, 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 you're not. A, Fuck yeah. yeah! All right, yeah, cool. Yeah, just, yeah. Stop, sorry, the I know there's boomer one, boomer two, but anyways. Yeah. So, base when they went to college. Right. Since then, tuition has increased 2,000 to 2,500 percent. Dude, that I, is crazy. Have you heard about Texas is, is going to pass, uh, I think, mostly Harvard with like the biggest endowment? Like, dude, I, when I went to Yale, I learned a lot about how well capitalized the schools are. Yeah. I, I was, you, you donate a lot of money. And when you go back to school when you're older, one of the things these schools figure out right, right away is hey, if we let these older people in who've got established careers, mm-hmm. they've got money to donate. Yes. So you get hit up constantly to donate to these schools. And of course, you want to check out the schools and downs. Mm -hmm. These schools have billions with a B of dollars. And one of the things they were tossing around back then was, do we really need to get tuitions anymore? Does it really give us any money relative to what we earn on our endowment funds? Right. And there was a legitimate like belief, like maybe we should just not take tuitions and we can pick whatever the hell students we want because nobody's paying for this. Exactly. But then you also look at universities just across the nation that um, receive, you know, government money, and they're spending it on things like I think you Louisiana, say money, no money. Oh, that sounds yeah. a lot like money to okay. me, bro. They receive government money, and you know they have things that taxpayers are paying to be in their schools. Like mm-hmm. I heard somebody say, Louisiana has like a lazy river. Yeah. In it, like the yeah. fuck, like. Hey man, uh, sometimes, horse, you horse need, is, sometimes you need that water feature, bro. <laughs> Why are you getting mad at Louisiana? No, but I'm saying, like, come on. This obviously the money's not being well spent, and there's all kinds but of dude, issues. There's a tremendous amount of of money in in the ecosystem. But let's get let's get back to that example, yeah, so me, right? So oh, let's okay. say let's say you're you're somebody who paid off all your debt. You're older. Okay, fine. You don't qualify for this. Okay, fine. Right. You know, if you're younger, I truly believe that if you're younger and you have student debt and you qualify for this. You need to do a finished school with a degree. Yeah. I don't care if it's an associate's degree. I don't care if it's a bachelor's degree. I don't care if it's from a great school or a bad school. In my mind, if we're going to pay you for it, right? you needed to finish that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why isn't that a caveat? Why isn't that a carve-out? I agree. I agree with that. 100%. That should be a, uh, a carve-out for it. Um, but here, let me dive into some more of these stats for you, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, estimates are that this will entirely wipe out the balances of 33% of the loan holders. Which tells me right then and there that these are people who probably didn't finish. Name a school you can go to and have less than 10 grand in debt. Right. Um, approximately 50% of the, of the people with loans uh, owe less than $20,000. Okay, and they could have been paying it so down I mean, over that's time. 50%. Yeah, and that's a good number. Right. They could have been paying it down over time, and they could have a lower dollar amount. Mm-hmm. Granted, they could have gone to you know public schools versus private schools. I mean, I get all that. So no, no judgment on them. Right. And the whole, the whole crazy thing about this, too, is, I mean, 
Biden was a part of this initially when this whole like student loan process, the act was initially passed, you know, and mm-hmm. he was a part of, I mean, if people don't know, like you can't claim bankruptcy against your student loans. No, right? you cannot. You cannot. And another thing too, is I found out today, I didn't know this, that uh, student loan debt can't be discharged even upon death. They can garnish your family wages. Yeah, they typically don't do that. They usually go after the estate if they want to, but there's so many people out. There's just not enough people to enforce that kind of stuff. So right. I've, I've never actually seen that happen on someone's death. But, but technically but, speaking, like the by letter of the law, they could. Yeah, the, I mean, keep keep in mind, student debt. I God, I hate. I'm going to say some shit right now. I really know I'm going to fucking regret later on. I know the trolls are going to come careful. after me. Dave Ramsey and I are aligned on this. This is bullshit. Oh, he came, he came out. Yeah, no, it did hurt. Oh, yeah, I was, I was hoping to say it quickly and nobody would notice, but yeah, it's. Uh, he he came out of the post and 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 I saw it and he was like, look, this this is this is intellectually dishonest to to use this as as one form of, of quote getting people into the educational system and then now doing this and saying, hey, we're forgiving the debt that we we made you have in the first place. It just sounds inauthentic. And, and mm-hmm. let's be clear here: what what and as much as the show is not about politics, it's about money. No, but this is a direct you know impact on the current. You know, economy and inflation at the worst possible fucking time. The wor- tomorrow morning at ten a.m. Friday, August twenty sixth. Fed, the mm-hmm. Fed chair, Secretary uh, Powell is going to have another one of his press conferences at, after the whole Jackson Hole thing that we right. talked about in the last episode. Yeah, and it's largely believed that he's going to take a much more firm, or as they refer to, hawkish approach in his statements, or as we refer to as lay down pipe, lay down pipe. AKA the Volker. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The Volker. He, he's exactly. going to lay down the Volker. But he, he's already saying, and there's already speculation by the markets that, that people who are expecting the Fed to lay off monetary pol- policy and reduce rates by the end of the year, yeah. that is highly improbable to happen. Right. No, no, no. And a lot of that conversation about the 50 versus 75 basis points, is it going to be, that's back up. Like right. That, that's, that's peaked back up for a while. People were like, okay, it's not going to be 75, it's going to be 50. Like they originally Especially forecast. if they believe that we're in this housing recession, right? You're going to have to keep rates up in order to bring, you know, those prices down. Yeah, but can you imagine if you're the Fed and this shit just happened, you're like, God damn, first the Inflation Reduction hey, Act. Dude, you couldn't give which, me, he's like, you couldn't give me a heads up, dude. Like They, they gave, they gave him two of the worst middle fingers possible in the, in the interim gap period between what's happened, the last mm-hmm. Fed interest rate increase. was The interest, Inflation Reduction Act was after the last one, right? I believe it was. Yes. So the last Fed increase, 75 basis points. They're like, okay, we got two months before we September. We have to meet again and possibly talk about another increase. Mm-hmm. It was originally pegged to be about 50 basis points. And then you get an Inflation Reduction Act. Mm-hmm. And now you get this two massive prints of money working directly against what the Fed secretary is trying to do. Right. It's almost like they're telling him, like, fuck you, I dare you to raise it to 75. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, we want you to raise it to 75. And, and everything that you're seeing right now in, in in the commentary that's come out about this potential conversation that, that Powell's going to have tomorrow has been really Volcker-like. Mm-hmm. We can't back off now. If you back off now, it really sounds like Volcker in the early 80s. And for those of you who don't remember... It's not common for a Fed secretary and a lot of the people in that particular role to be this communicative. Right. This is kind of his value proposition to the market is that he's promising that he's going to talk more and more about these things. Right. So that the, the, everybody doesn't know what's going to happen. You know, everybody isn't left blind. But the other side of that is the markets are already moving now and pre-trading hours. Yeah, exactly. Ahead of what's going to happen tomorrow in their conversation because 
people are placing bets on how the market will react. Exactly. If he says he's going to be much more hawkish, you're going to have a challenge in the market. If he says, ah, you know, we think things are going to be okay. So the Fed secretary really shouldn't have that ability to, to impact the markets and the behavioral economics. But it, it's true. It's happening. It has to happen. Right? And every single thing that he's doing to try to keep things calm. How do you come out tomorrow and not say, well, the White House has fucked me not once, but twice. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be a rough ride, people. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's going to say. Right. Um, so one last thing to, to note is currently the student loan debt is sitting around $1.8 trillion. Right. Um, this relief will knock it down to about one point two five trillion. But this outstanding debt will return back to this level in four years. Yeah. How did they, do you know how they figure that out? What the, what the calculation was there? I mean, the kids are the kids that are currently in school aren't benefiting from this. What about the freshmen that are coming in? So therein lies yes. another conversation to have. So we are clearly if that's the case, and I didn't realize it wasn't. Like there wasn't like a perpetuity to this or like an ability. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so and then yeah, all right, go ahead. So I, I guess my my problem is this: is then we are clearly just buying votes for the midterm. That's all we're doing. Yep. And then exactly. So they extended the moratorium to mm-hmm. December thirty first. Coincidentally, right after right the midterm after the midterms. Elections. Yeah. So really, that that's what's going on here. The Dems are buying buying the votes, and and look. It, it, it's just one of those things that, that's causing all sorts of turmoil. At the same time, and I wasn't planning to talk about this at the show, we generally do not get into like kind of the worldwide economy. Right. But you got talks of China and Russia going back to a gold standard. Mm-hmm. Depegging themselves from the dollar in a lot of ways and going back to precious metals. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've got China and Russia talking about doing joint exercises together. Mm-hmm. You got uh, China's president now at two years of not traveling due to the pandemic and everything else, he's voluntarily chose not to do that. Now he's going to Saudi Arabia to talk to them about oil. Right. There's a lot of things happening in the global worldwide economy that could deeply impact the U.S. economy. Outside of how we're sabotaging ourselves every fucking day right now politically. Absolutely. These things could have a tremendous effect that we do not. We're so busy talking about home values all the time. Exactly. We're so busy talking about inflation and how do we control things because my bacon price has gotten too high and, mm-hmm. and oil prices are going nuts and all these crazy talking things. Talking about unemployment and the job yeah. market. And yet all of this could be undermined by some global politics that are really, really changing dynamically right now. And we have our heads so far up our asses, we're not even paying attention and reporting on it on national television. Right. That that's the part about this that, that drives me kind of kind of nuts, and that that's why like this week's episode was. I knew going into this conversation it was gonna be frustrating as shit for me because all the things that we're doing are so wrong. It, I don't, and I don't know if you saw. You haven't seen social media because you're a weird person who doesn't have social media still. Right. But my wife came up with an idea. Okay. She said that I should create an account for you mm-hmm. and let her manage it so that you knew that I wasn't making fun of you on your own social media feed. <laughs> It's not, it's not a terrible idea. It's not a terrible idea. I mean, if one of the five listeners thinks it's a good idea, DM Chris and let us know. <laughs> Just know that that's probably not me. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's probably my wife responding on his behalf. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm, I love nachos like my wife. <laughs> but, um, a lot of deep fakes on there. A lot of deep fakes? Yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> I'll put your head on so many bodies, bro. Yeah, exactly. worry about it. It's going to happen. So um, Larry Summers mm. came out and spoke about this student loan tax relief, right? I uh, believe he was, you know, Treasury Secretary under Clinton, and he yeah. was he, he also served under Obama in some capacity. Yeah. Um. He said this is very inflationary, and 
absolutely the wrong time to be doing this, right? Did you say absolutely the wrong time to be doing it? Yeah. Good. good. Yeah. Um, and there is, so one thing also to, to keep in mind is there is a huge anticipation that now universities and colleges across the nation are going to have to factor this into their tuition. Now, yeah, tuition costs. Tuition, tuition co- I mean, we, we don't know if they're ever going to do this again. We have to raise tuition. Yeah, which that, causes even more inflation. I think some of that's just social media fodder. Uh, I don't really think that there's a I mean, whole if they can, lot if, of weight in that. If they can capitalize on it, I mean, you would put it past them. I don't think I don't think they'll do that. I, I think already you've got significant costs being added to it. I mean, just look at how much more tuition costs today than it used to back then. Right. I mean, some of these schools are so ridiculously overpriced for an education that doesn't guarantee guarantee anybody anything. Right. None of them and, are. None of them are helping you get a job. Well, and that's the other thing, too, that I, I thought more about this bill that really bothers me. So let's say a kid goes to school, gets a bachelor's, and says, you know what? I want to go get an MBA. Mm-hmm. I want to go get a, a JD, or I want to go get a doctorate in something, whatever. Mm-hmm. That kid takes on even more student debt, right? So now you got eighty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000 of student debt right. for, for some of these top-tier degrees. And let's say you get a job because you've got a higher degree. It's probably going to be more than $125,000 a year. Right. And then what? Then what are you going to do exactly? So the people with the most student loans don't get that, but they're not. there's not more higher, higher educated people out there. Sorry, I burped. I'm drinking the soda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, not a good, t- good time to be reading, drinking anything carbonated. But the people with the higher, higher degrees. Right. There's less of those out there than people who are in that kind of nebulous space. Those those fifty mm-hmm. you know percent of people that you talked about earlier. There's less voters. This this was clearly targeted towards the voting demographic. Meanwhile, again, the social media thing that I brought up. Meanwhile, while this is happening and all this stuff's going on, Tom Ferry. You know who Tom Ferry is? No. He's a a real estate personality. He he's like a coach. Uh, he has a podcast and a bunch of other things. Yeah, from all rumors, he's supposed to be a nice guy. He moved to Dallas not too long ago from Newport. Got it. Yeah, this big thing in, in Texas, and a lot of the realtors went there. And keeping current matters was there, and all the, the whole team was there. Oh, kind of like what we said that Cardone did. Yeah. Well, no, but this this is like what he, he does is like annually. Like this okay. is what Tom Ferry always does. But Cardone's just kind of weird. But that was a one time event for him. He does have his 10x conference, which is I guess tantamount to this. But all those realtors are there, and they're all talking about how good the economy is and where things are going and homes and stuff like that. And I'm sitting here thinking like. Is anybody talking to you about what's really happening politically in front of your face right now? Let's just put homes aside for a second. Right. You can't think all this other shit that's going on is good for you. Right. Exactly. That's true. But they're all like at this raw raw convention. And I'm just like, what what fucking world are we living in? I know. I think well, I think we came off of four years where all we spoke about was politics. And, you know, some of the things that have been going on, you know, the last couple of years, it's just flying right under the radar. And that's the way it it's gonna get a whole hell of a lot worse man yeah a whole hell of a lot worse yeah um so who knows what's to come well but, i'll tell you what's gonna come is I, I think there's gonna be some challenges to this particular bill yeah the legality of it all right i think the republicans have already come out and said they're gonna challenge this and take it to the supreme court have they said that because mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't know i i stopped reading about this because i was just so annoyed and pissed off my original supposition was has always been this is unconstitutional similar situated people being treated differently I do think that there's a whole lot of of easy easy targets in this for constitutionality, right? And well, I can actually tell you what they're citing trying to get it passed. So um, what what Biden's citing, right, or the, his administration, because Biden ain't reading shit. Uh, uh, trying to he's trying to use a post nine eleven law that allows 
for debt cancellation, quote, in connection with a war or other military operation or national emergency, in which emergency you ask? The present COVID-19 pandemic. But we declare that officially over. Yeah, exactly. Hasn't that been declared over? I don't know, but it feels like it's been over, right? Okay, well, Um, so if that's the law that they're, that's fine, but it doesn't allow you to discriminate in doing that. Right. That, that that's where I think he doesn't you don't understand. And look, anytime you have people that that are very, very similar, if you remove some of the parts of it, you, you could probably get away with this. You could probably get away with with removing the income cap and saying all people qualify for it. Mm-hmm. Probably better there as a starting point. Right. Now, my question is, does this impact private lenders or is this only like FAFSA government loans? And government loans. So therein lies another problem. Mm-hmm. People that refied out. People that refied out. So if you were smart and prudent with your finances and you said, I have a 7.5% rate and you wanted to refinance to a 5% rate at someone like a SoFi, for example, right. or and your bank. I think their argument for that, though, would be, you know, you gave up your rights with federally backed loans when you refied out. That's that's part of... You refied your... It's a smart decision, obviously. It's I a get smart it. financial decision. Yeah. So you're going to penalize someone again, just like that kid who went to school, got good grades, did all the right things. You're penalizing right. the smart person. Right. You're now penalizing the smart person again from saying, you know what? Hey, I'm paying... I'll use myself as, as an example. When I got out of school and I originally had student loans, I was paying $1,200 a month, 7.5% fastest student loans. Right. Then I refinanced out to, I think it was SoFi or someone, someone right. like them. I don't think they were around back then. And it... Change my payment to eight hundred dollars a month. Right, that was a big difference when I was just got out of school. Oh yeah, huge impact on your cash flow. A huge impact. So that that was that was a dramatic impact for me. So why wouldn't you do that? I mean that that's what you should be thinking about economically. Mm-hmm. Should isn't it just as easy to verify those were once government backed loans? That here's the problem with that. Yeah, is it's a clear takings clause violations violation if you go into a private company and you take. And you just pay that off or waive it or forgive it. Right. Without giving those companies the interest, right? The interest that they would have earned yeah. over that time from the lost funds. And that's that's an incredibly difficult calculation to come up with. That's always been my position every time. You may remember some of the early episodes. I've always been like, you know, nah, dismiss this every single time. Yeah, it's, not gonna yeah, it's not going to happen. Unconstitutional, unconstitutional. Yeah, I remember. But let me let me put it this way. The Dems already win no matter what happens with Republicans challenging it. Because they they tried to push the agenda. Hey, I don't American know, man. I people, think, we try to I think give this you loans. Look, I think he, it makes them look really, really bad if if the Supreme Court does overturn this. I don't think people see that. I think people see. I think people, the majority of people out there, the people who are in, looking forward to this and who are planning on on being the benefactors of this, are going to say, "Oh, he tried the, for the me." Democrats tried for me. Oh, come on. And the Republicans shot it down because they just didn't want this to happen because they're rich assholes. Yeah, but if, if that's if that's what you think, I would I would like for my le- my leaders to be a little bit more competent and know what the hell you're promising me before you're just coming out and prom- giving yeah, me but you whispering probably, You sweet probably nothings. have more insight into the sweet nothings. Sweet nothings. Sweet, sweet nothings. Uh, mm. Mr. Uchi Wally. Uchi bang bang. <laughs> we probably, I think sweet nothings is probably more very white than it is Nas, but that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Here's the problem. I think you 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 grasp more of this than most people do. The overwhelming majority of people in society are going to hear about this being a possibility, and they're happy about it. Yeah. No, I, I've talked to I've probably talked to ten or eleven people about this in the last two days. Look, anecdotally, I, and not a single person has gone like, "Oh, that is unconstitutional, isn't it?" They've been like, "Nah, nah, it's good." Yeah, nah, it's good. Well, here's the thing: I I personally don't like the way the whole system is set up right now. Anyways, right? Um, and you know these these outrageous student loans are keeping people from you know 
getting married in some cases, you know, starting their lives, buying a home, something that we always talk about, you know, and yes, they they were quote unquote adults when they signed into these loans. But I mean, a lot of these people 18, are kids, man. 18 is not an adult. Man. I know, man. And, that, and, that, and that's that. the, and that's the sad 21 part. 21 is not an adult. No offense to the young kids out there. It, dude, I didn't feel like I was an adult until I hit 30. Dude, these, a lot, a lot of people, I mean, you, and I remember being one of those kids back in the day is when you've already taken out student loans and now you got your undergraduate degree. Okay, I can't do shit with this degree. Now I got to go to grad school and take out more loans. Fuck, I'm pot committed. Let me just go all in on this. And it's like that could have, you know, rippling ramifications, mm-hmm. consequences yeah. for the rest of your life. So let me ask you this. Why why carve out people who make 125000 That I don't. I, it doesn't make sense. They actually had the option. It was on the table to have it up to up to 150 not a whole lot more, but still. But my thought process is, okay, if anyone's making more than that, their loan their loan balances are probably significantly higher. Yeah. Where ten grand isn't even going to make a dent. When I got out of school, it was, I think it was like one hundred twenty something, one hundred thirty something thousand dollars. Yeah, I have, seven and a half. I know, I know people that owe four hundred, five hundred thousand. Yeah, so ten grand ain't, ain't a whole lot to that person versus the person who you wipe you wiping out their entire debt yeah. load. Like, like what are we doing? Yeah, exactly. Why why are we why are we differentiating? on this level like who are we trying to help i mean it, clearly it's just that that is their voter base right? right is that what we're doing yeah now the the one piece of this of this uh, that i actually really like is so there is a whole thing that um with income-based repayment right where people who can't afford to make their payments they apply for to make you know you know make an adjustment to however much they pay um that was reduced down from i believe you know 10 percent to now five percent right so those that i don't feel like there's a lot of value there I think there is. I mean, for people that are making coming out of school and let's just say they owe more than, you know, $10,000 and then they can't afford to make their payments. And now you're actually you're, you're you are saving them some money. To uh, them, that's a whole. You ever th- tried forbearing your, your student loans? Uh, I had to in, in the past. Yeah. And it sucks because the interest still accrues. Right. But at the same time, there are grown ass adults who've gone their entire lives in forbearance. Yeah. But they then, live their entire life. But then you're lives. never you you can never get ahead, right? You'll never be able to buy a home. There are people, there are people, grown adults. I'm telling you right I, now. I believe you it. can buy a home. You can you can. They're well, just gonna say, you know, what 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 are you gonna do? Oh, I'll start paying that, and here's my payment. No, no, I don't think you can do. They got they got those payments have to become current. Most lenders won't. Okay, so you bring them current, and then you forbear again. I've seen I I know of people who've literally never paid a dime. Yeah, well, they just make it a habit of just going back and forth. Yeah, and I think the the stats show that one in five borrowers are have defaulted yeah. or in default. I'm sure it's gonna it's only gonna get worse though. It's only gonna get worse, and 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 it's just now we're in a situation where we've teased American society with with a program that I don't really think should be a program that we're offering, and yet here we are. And there's a lot a lot of polarity on this topic, and it's, it's look. I know um, some. I know. I know there. Are, I think the vast majority of people are are benefiting, right? Um, and yes, some people are getting screwed in the process. I, I can I can recognize that, right? But that's not the first time something like that has happened when bills have been passed. Okay, let's right? get into that too. PPP loans, yeah, it's a fucking terrible program too. Terrible program. Uh, it, people, was, how many people did you know were buying Lambos? I knew a lot of people that were that were just completely taking advantage of the system. And let me. Let me put it in a different way, because I think somebody came at me the other day saying, well, at least you can admit that's wrong. And I'm like, dude, not, not only was it wrong, it was written equally as shitty as this bill's proposed. Right. But here's something that, that I saw happening, and I knew this was going to happen the second I started getting into the details of the bill then, and it's exactly what happened. Let's say you're the CFO of a publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. 
You have a fiduciary responsibility to the shareholders, to your board, to the employees to do the best possible thing for your company. Yeah. If you know that you can apply for and get free money that will be forgiven as far as debt's concerned. Right. You have a fiduciary obligation to go out to the markets and get it, even if you think from a moral perspective that you shouldn't need it because your company's in good health. Yeah, the Lakers, remember when Jeannie Buss tried to try to get that loan? That <laughs> I, I, mean, I heard that, yeah. The only reason they stopped is because of the public outcry. Right. But her financial advisors were not wrong for telling her, hey, look, there's free money out there. All these people are getting it. You should consider getting it too. Right. That's what you should do as a fiduciary if you're the CFO of that company. Right. And it's no different it's no different than, you know, the tax codes written in a certain way. You should take advantage of that tax code if it benefits you. It was you. written to give people free money right. and people got upset when people took advantage of it. Right. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, okay, well, it was a shitty written law. If you don't like that people took advantage of that, and I'm talking about the fraud, all that, all that shit that happened, that that's just that's because it was just such a poorly written bill. People people had that gap. But that being said, right, you write a terrible bill. That's the kind of outcome you get. That's the kind of outrage you get. What do you think is going to happen with this ten thousand dollar forgiveness? More and more stories just like that are going to come out. People getting money that they don't deserve. Right. Or circumstances of people who, who just shouldn't have it. Or people are going to find ways to take advantage of it to get money themselves now they otherwise wouldn't have been entitled to because now they're going to find a loophole. That's just the way these things work. The fact of the matter is we're printing more and more fucking money on these bullshit programs. The PPP program held off the inevitable. Right. In my mind, it didn't do anything to hold off a recession. It right. just prolonged it and made it now what we I think will be and a deeper hindsight, recession. Hindsight, you know, 2020. We know that it would have been ideal for the Fed to step in back then. Oh, it, yeah. The Fed should have started raising rates back then. They should have. Yeah. Even if they wanted to do it after that was all done with, and people went back to, to, to work, that's fine. But a lot of restaurants, we looked at a lot of restaurants. I've seen a lot of financials for a lot of restaurants for oh, a period yeah, of time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of restaurants were actually laying off staff, mm -hmm. saying we don't need the servers, keeping one server and one you know, person at the register switch to the the mobile devices and takeout stuff like that we're actually making more Crushing money it. and we're more efficient yeah. and still getting ppp loans for the staff that they had crazy getting fully forget and i'm sitting here thinking okay so we didn't give the american business the opportunity to adjust mm -hmm. we just assumed that everyone was so fucked that they needed this free money and we wrote a bill which basically said if you have a pulse and you have a need we'll give you money <laughs> <laughs> and the crazy thing about it was, if you were an independent contractor in the early stages of it, you didn't get shit. It was the revised version that gave independent contractors money. And even then, you got nothing relative to some of these big companies did. Right. And, and a lot say, of times, people were getting put on like the waiting list. Oh, yeah. Then you couldn't find a lender that wanted to do it for you because right. now lenders had to allocate their internal resources to do it. So if you didn't have an existing relationship with like Wells Fargo, they weren't going to help you out. You had to go to some private lender. There's a couple people out there who jumped in this space and made a lot of money. But for them, it wasn't very lucrative either because these are 1% loans. Right. Some of which were forgiven. So putting all this money into a 1% loan, well, that's not all. Banks and lenders make money off the spread and what the cost of funds is for them. In this right. case, what banks pay in deposits on the banking side and what they get in loans. Yep. Most companies are going to have an operational expense load far above 1%. So it wasn't like it was an economically viable thing for these people to do. Now, if you were a smaller lender or a smaller bank and you wanted to add a shit ton of assets to your balance sheet in a quick period of time, this looked like the golden goose, mm -hmm. and a lot of banks and lenders did that, and they got kind of screwed because these things did not perform the way they thought they were. Right. So they stayed out there for a lot longer, too. Now you're holding 1% money when you could be lending it out at 5 or 6 So definitely a poorly written law. I don't agree with a lot of the economic stimulus that we've given out, and I don't think that any of that stuff, including this bill, are good in any stretch of the imagination. And yet, here we are celebrating a victory. Right.
not not we, but you know, society. Yeah, yeah, yeah society. Yeah, got ten grand knocked off. And I, I'll, I'll call I'll call my dad out a little bit on this. My dad has been saying that oh, this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen for a long time. Mm-hmm. Ever since Biden got in the office, he said, oh yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. What this this, this is gonna happen? So, okay. He said that, that student loan forgiveness is gonna be a real thing. He he truly believed that it was gonna be all debt. Oh really? So I pinged him today because you know I saw him and I'm like, Dad, like, what do you think? And I thought he'd be happy. He was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because he only got ten. No, I don't think he gets that. I, I don't know what his income situation is, but I, I don't know. No, I was thinking about I was thinking about the kids. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know how this all works. Well, the kids' school, I'll pay for. But yeah, it, it's just it's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it so, is. It is. And I'll say right now, my brother and sister, like I, I know both of the of their relative incomes. Neither one of them will qualify for this, right? And they both have. I think one of them has student debt, and the other one does. Well, hopefully. In some capacity or another, people, uh, you know, free up some cash flow for them so that they can, you know, maybe start to plan and save for when home prices do come down. Because some people are regretting these home purchases. I feel like you forced that segue a little bit. Like you went, you went hard. I tried to lob it for you the best I could. You forced it a little bit. It wasn't, it wasn't sexy. You're usually a lot sexier with this. This wasn't sexy. No, I mean, it was okay. I mean, I've seen you do better. So, uh, Chris sent me an article that says 72% of recent home buyers have regrets about their purchases. As the market cools, these steps can help you avoid disappointment. <laughs> what are those steps? Wow, you you really are trying to force me on the segue, huh? <laughs> yeah. It's like I wouldn't get off on the bus when you wanted me to, <laughs> yeah, now you're yeah. kicking me off? Yeah, exactly. Get the fuck out. The number one reason that buyers felt remorse, 30% of respondents said they spent too much money on their home. Well, I mean, in hindsight, Monday morning quarterback, yeah, you see the prices are starting to come down, of course. Yeah, there was a lot of great quotes in the article. I actually should probably read some more of them because I thought they were uh, quite fascinating. 26% indicated they bought too quickly. Mm-hmm. And for a bit of a reminder, there was at one point during the height of all this, it was eight offers before, on average, before you actually got an accepted offer. And even then, it was challenging to get through things. You had to waive contingencies. You had to yes, put a ton of money down. You overly bank, qualified. Show all your bank statements. And it was, it was, it was interesting. And to see this, this, so this was an online study. It was conducted in July and included about 1,000 individuals who bought a home in 2021 or 2022. Mm-hmm. It was commissioned by Anytime Estimate, which is owned by Clever Real Estate. So I don't know if there's a bias there. I never heard of either one of these companies. Mm-hmm. And in the 1,000 people was kind of a small base for an article of this, this size. But, you know, whatever. So, so 31% of buyers said they paid over asking price, which I think was actually kind of a low quote in my mind. Okay. Uh, the median amount paid over the listing price was about $65,000. I thought that number was actually high relative to the average $65, price. $65,000. Yeah. Wow. So people people were certainly paying. Um, paying I mean, that's what, that's what we were seeing. Remember when um, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law were looking to shop and buy a home? I think they were coming in at, on average anywhere between 50 to 60. Yeah, but that would say they were buying way above where average home buyers buy. But, yeah, absolutely. But here you go. So even so, the, the competition was fierce with 80% of buyers saying they made more than one offer, with 41% saying they made five offers or more. About one in three buyers said they searched for three months for their homes, while one in eight took six months or more. Yeah. So you, you can tell that there, there's a tremendous amount of fallout. And I think that this article is important for a number of reasons, not the least of which is it stresses that that despite the fact that credit markets are in a considerably better shape than they were in 2008, mm-hmm. I don't think that that has to be 
the same as it was in 2008 to have impacts to the real estate economy. We've been saying over and over again, demand without affordability is not demand. Well, you've got consumers who've spent a tremendous amount of money on these properties that have some tangible, calculable regret. Right. And now they're in a situation where inflation, let's just call it, I think people think the core inflation is closer to 20%, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. Inflation's gone up. Mm -hmm. There's no relief on the horizon. You got what's presumptively a very hawkish Fed. And you think to yourself, well, when I bought this house and I knew that I was paying a little bit more money for it because we really, really wanted it, I mm -hmm. didn't expect my cost of living to go up 20%. Absolutely. Yeah, you didn't factor that part in. How long can I withstand this before I think to myself, I got to sell this fucking thing and downsize? And I bet you there's a whole hell of a lot more Americans in that category, despite the fact that their debt is cheap. Yes. Than we realize. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean that's going to go into credit defaults or anything else. I think that right there is the big, big red screaming alarm that the realtors that keeping current matters, that Dave Ramsey, all these people are missing. They're, yeah, they're, no one's really touching on that or speaking about it. So w when, when that happens, if we can't back off inflation quickly, which I do not believe will be a quick thing. I don't think you do either. No, I do not. We're going to wind up in a situation where people have these, these home payments. They bought a whole hell of a lot of home at mm -hmm. very low interest rates. Right. But now they're having difficulties with that free cash flow. The back end ratio allowed by Freddie and, and Fannie, I think, is 45 and 55, front end 45, and then back end 55%. Right. 55% of your income. When you start thinking about how this actually impacts you and how yeah. much left for discretionary spending and everything else, there's right. not a whole lot there. Yeah. 20% rise. I would, in you would your hope cost. people don't stretch themselves out that thin, but. But they do. But they did. Yeah, every they do. single day. Every, they always every do because day. they always want something a little bit more than they can actually truly afford. Yeah, and that that's exactly what's going to happen. I think that's where this affordability crisis really begins to materialize in a in a, in a big way. Adam yeah. and I spoke last night oh, a little really? bit, and he was telling me that he's, how thin I am. No, no, oh, that okay. was that was yeah. definitely not on. Actually, he didn't. He didn't. Um, he didn't mention me. He's like, I forgot about that guy. He's like, what was that guy's name? <laughs> What's that kid's, that kid's yeah, name? <laughs> no, he wants, he's going to come back on. We're going to do another show at some point. But we were talking just kind of anecdotally about investments in real estate. And he said that, that he doesn't know where the market's going to go at this point. He's, he's wondering how soft it will be. And I don't blame him. I, I feel the same way. So, where So I was actually going to ask you something about that. So remember that um, head analyst at Housing Wire? His name is Logan. I, I can't remember his last he's name. He's got an Iranian last name. Yeah, Logan. Right. Motivo. He was on CNBC again. Yeah. So he I'm had, jealous of shit, so I'm going to talk a lot of shit. Let's go just, let, just let you know right now. Oh, about how much how nice his hair is? He's got great hair. <laughs> he's though. got great hair. It's sexy. And fuck you for bringing that up, though. <laughs> and did you, say, I, you I know, said his hair was sexy? Yeah, because I, I know, That's weird. I know That's you, could weird. you would appreciate it. No, you just did it to hurt my feelings. That's <laughs> the only reason you would ever go that way. Like, you just did it to be mean. So he said, he goes, historically, rates have come down after a year of weakness, right? Yeah. So, which means you should be setting your eyes on 2023. Now, I don't, I don't think this, any of this gets resolved. So I will say that on, then. we have played a clip from him before on the show. Last, I think it was last episode. And I, I do like him as an economist. He is a housing wire economist. And housing wire, as you may have guessed, is housing related. So there is a bit of a bias. Shocker. I do not agree with everything that he says. That doesn't mean that I don't have to like you. I don't have to agree with everything you say to like you. And Absolutely. So like, right. like Lawrence Yoon, uh, uh, the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors. I don't like him mm -hmm. at all. Right. Just sucks. Logan's a good dude. He's, he knows his stuff, and I, I agree with some of his stuff. I don't agree with all of his stuff. I, even Dave Ramsey, I agreed on the student loan thing, which ugh, just sounds disgusting to say that, but it's right. true. So, look, I, you know, it is what it is. I don't agree with him at all on some of his predictions when it comes to where the market's going. I think he's a little bit more rosy and optimistic in some ways. I wouldn't go Patrick, bet David 
uh, negative where he's like doom and gloom. The whole world's coming to an end. But I, I, cer- <laughs> I certainly think that that the, the vast majority of people and economists, for that matter, have deeply underestimated where and how long this is. And I think Adam's falling victim to the same thing that I find myself falling victim from time to time is you see all these indicators, you see things happening, and there's a lot of talk in the media right now of has, has in, have interest rates bottom, bottomed out or capped out and you know, has, recession, uh, has a recession even held off, has inflation peaked. It, I, dude, we are so early in this. Oh, yeah. And we've mentioned that time and time, time again. Time and time and time again. And I'm going to keep ringing that bell because I don't think people understand it. I think every prediction we've made so far has been somewhat good. No, we've we've been spot on. Have no, we been spot on? We haven't, we haven't been wrong yet. Okay, I don't say that to be braggadocious, although I am pretty fucking talented. <laughs> uh, I say that because these things are based in fact and based on history. Mm. And already before tomorrow's call, before tomorrow's conference with Jerome Powell, there's echoes of Volcker. We know that Volcker persevered right. through. We know that Powell is is a big fan of how Volcker so was gonna, able to do that. I'm going to make a blind bet. Blind bet. Okay, mind you, tomorrow's conference is just a conversation. So. No, but it, it'll it'll give a, it'll give some insight into you know what people think, and I think a lot of projections will come out then. But before that comes out, I'm saying they'll go up another 75 basis points, whereas, wow. whereas they were leaning towards 50. Well, it was 50 was was what was originally spoken about, right? And then everybody thought there was a, a potential for the, the Fed to be very hawkish based on some of the numbers that came out. I think it's too early to make the the official prediction because. There's going to be some more unemployment numbers coming out between now and then. There's going to be an updated CPI number, and I think mm-hmm. depending on where those fall out. But I, I would say, if I'm being candid, that I think that there's an overwhelming majority uh, probability of 75 basis points being necessary, needed, and likely to be the number. Right. If things continue to go the way they're going and there's not a, a, a sizable change, and I really don't foresee that happening. Right. Even if inflation comes down, Again, like we talked about in a previous episode, the Dems will argue that it's coming down, but the Republicans will say it's still 8% or whatever it might come down to mm-hmm. year over year. That's still way, 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 way off. And the Fed's target rate way of 2 Way off their goal of 2 to 3%, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's just we're really, really, really far away. And there's no way to get there but with time. And all the time that we could have saved from getting from here to there mm-hmm. was just pushed out a whole hell of a lot more by the Inflation Reduction Act. Mm-hmm. And student debt forgiveness, right? So, whatever happens after this, I, I don't know. But I'll tell you, I, I don't think I don't think Biden wins on the presidency. I, I think this whole thing just did him in with the American people. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, but we're not going to get into politics. So we can talk about the politics the entire fucking time. What no, are po- about? politics that impact the economy. We're not talking about Biden. I talk about the vice president who may or may not exist. That may or may not. Let's talk she about came out literally to fuck the American people and then went back to wherever she's been. Let's talk about how you're Dave Ramsey's number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> Look, at least I have the balls to admit that I, 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 I mean, I hate that motherfucker yeah. so much. I'm going like, to buy you, just, buy you I, some I, Dave Ramsey merch. I do not like him. <laughs> like he has like this co-host on the show yeah. like, where I guess like, he, I've never watched one of the shows. Like, so she's on like, it's not like a show, but he, so he wears a headset like the, the like, a, like the headset that I'm wearing, but he okay. has the mic that comes off the side like he's a oh, jet yeah. fighter or some shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, Ace, I'm like, what are you doing here? He wears that on the show when he's talking to people and he has like this, his beautiful studio set up. He went live or something like that or he had some pre-recorded thing with, um, with this girl that's on his network and i think she's like a younger female focused variant of him and mm-hmm. she totally subscribes to his whole his whole thing yeah of course she would have to and he was and, and you know she's talking and she's clearly trying to you know engage 
And he just cuts her off and it just goes for the camera, like right next to her. And I'm like, bro, let your own girl talk. Which yeah, one? He's like, this is my show. Yeah. He was just like, this, I'm Dave Ramsey, motherfucker. This is my shit. Yeah. Tell me, how much did you like that too? Yeah. And then I had one of his uh, loyalists who I think is the one that screwed up our Spotify ratings, <laughs> which is now back at the 4.9, by the is way. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Someone on Spotify now gave yeah. us a one star rating. Proverbial upside yeah. of having limited reviews on, on Spotify. Uh, so she was arguing with me pretty pretty aggressively that I didn't understand Dave Ramsey and that she took and paid for his course, which I didn't know he offered one for sale, which was all if I didn't like him enough as it was already, <laughs> like this is just gasoline on the fire. Right. And I said, okay, so you paid for his course and do you truly believe he doesn't use a credit card? She said, yes. I said, you believe this man runs a multi-million dollar organization yeah, and gives everybody access to his ATM account through his, <laughs> through his ATM card. Right. Yes, that's what he says he does. I said, you're an idiot. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be honest. I didn't you. know he says that. He says he doesn't own a credit card. He's, well, he, according to, I don't know if what he says about himself, but he tells his fans not to use credit cards. Oh, credit cards are bad and everything. So even that the conversation with that girl, that whole conversation where he cut her off, that was about being debt free and being out of debt. That's why he doesn't like this whole student loan thing. He's like, you know, you're, you're in debt and then they act like they're helping you out, but they're not helping you out. It's, Whatever they're they're all about being debt free, which I agree with you. Be debt free, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I think that's the absolute right thing to do. But to tell people to avoid something entirely simply because it it can become intoxicating to use a credit card, you need to learn how to use a credit card. Yeah. Teach a man to fish, you feed him, you right. know, for the rest of his life. Give a man a fish, you feed him for one day. He's giving people fish. He's not right. teaching him how to fish. Exactly. And you and I know from looking at all the financial statements and the balance sheets that this the whole game is leverage right yeah and that that's the part where i i think people really miss with dave ramsey he's not trying to help you build wealth mm-hmm. he's trying to help you get to a position where you're debt free you're in a better financial position and now you're a loyal follower of his right for the rest of your life because he's never taught you how to truly build wealth mm-hmm. but then also get you to agree with him on yeah saving money over time takes a whole hell of a lot of time to build wealth and that's essentially what he what he preaches mm-hmm. he's not out there talking about investment properties and doing they're get debt free and then some people somebody argued me the other day saying that his 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 fan base is like a lower level of financial literacy and i thought to myself well then you should be teaching them about financial literacy right i mean look it's it's never shameful to to start right i mean yet yeah, we know that this is not something that's taught in you know education system and you have to start somewhere. So if it's a lower level of financial literacy, okay, great. Start there, you know, and then branch out and trust somebody else. Don't look at me up and down like that. I'm looking at your thighs. Again, again, I did what worked out legs today. You did not work out today. Yes, I My move ring is okay. Well, I wasn't going to bring this up on the show, but since we're here and since we're talking about this, I have challenged you to multiple uh, challenges on the uh, Apple Watch app. You have, man. See, so the problem with that no, is no, 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 no. The problem with no that problem is with that. there's you a huge just, problem. You have with that. Not let, me tell you, let me tell you, you why. Have not accepted. So when you beat someone five times in a row, it's like you got to earn some credibility before you come back this way. That's why you're so, afraid. So, to, afraid five, so five. And if, no, no one's afraid. I beat you five times in a row. It's like if there was like five recessions in a row with back-to-back quarters of G- negative GDP, and that's considered a recession. They go, oh, the next time that happens, that's probably a recession. Same considered- thing here. I'm just like the Dems. I'm trying to make you think you got to win. <laughs> Keep you voting my way. Yeah. <laughs> How do you think you got here in the first place? I would love. I would you love. Felt the victory. I, I would love. To, if you need the motivation here, man, I'll help you out. I I will accept your competition. Mm. 
Are you sad at all? This might be one of our last shows in the home studio setup. I like the home studio setup, man. Uh, do people, we should tell people about that. We're about to move into a studio. That's kind of what I just alluded to, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, we, have, we haven't figured out the logistics of, of a lot of the things. When you build a studio, it's complicated. It's The first thing you want to do is, is figure out what you want it to look like, right? Then you want to sound deaden and get the sound control. Then you want to get lighting in place and the camera angles and all these things. It, right. It's a lot different than just decorating a room. A lot of credit goes out to Adam, Doug, and the whole Mind Pump team for letting us come out and check out theirs to you know, pick their brain a little bit and see yeah. you know, what works for them or what might work for us. So um, it's exciting times. It is. And uh, we're uh, kind of nearing the home stretch of things. All the deliveries have been made, except for I think a couple coming over the next two days of stuff that we need for the studio. But uh, almost everything that we need for like immediate entry into that space is, is there. We're going to paint a couple things and and it's sound deadening, and then I think we're done with the uh, the home setup. And then I don't know how how much longer until we actually set up, you know, video footage. Uh, probably not that not that long afterward. We have some logistics to work out, and those of you who who follow uh, YouTube podcasts and stuff like that, I, I want to make sure that we have release dates that are the same. So obviously, when we release on Apple's right. podcast and Spotify, I want to make sure that the, the release dates for the video go at the same time. But video editing can take a little bit longer and doesn't necessarily have the same audio because we have a, a separate post-production team trying to sync up and coordinate all the logistics of, of the third-party vendors and getting everything loaded and ready to go. Obviously, loading up something that's you know 40 minutes to an hour, like this episode, to YouTube takes a little bit of time. So right. we're, we're just trying to plan and coordinate that to where we can have all that information out together. But it shouldn't be too long afterward. We'll be in video production, which will then beg the question... Mm -mm. will you continue to wear these really tiny short shorts oh yeah i I mean if you're gonna be on video anything for the views right i will make it a wide angle lens just so we can get it a wide angle lens so you can fit your white ass in it that's that's hurtful that's hurtful (laughs) that's hurtful several people today we have we have have to figure out what chairs we're gonna buy yeah we do yeah we do And, and if we want chairs or a table and stuff like that but that's all for a conversation for another time you're approaching the 51 minute mark. You took us in. Take us out, brother. That right there is the Sasha Baron Cohen of <laughs> the Higher Standard. And me, I am your favorite host, Saeed. Tune in next week. Where Saeed will not do the introductions and the outros. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.